Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards she deserves in life and love. I believe in the value of being a woman of value so much that I wrote a book about it, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. It's available now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip on becoming a woman of value is from the book, and it's called Be Firm About Your Standards. I'm in love with boundaries. I just believe that when we know who we are and what we stand for, and we enforce those things, we live a life that's true to us. So if there is a standard in your life that you are not keeping, that you are flimsy about it, that you are too afraid to maybe hurt somebody because you believe in this, but but you just also wanna make everybody else happy, I am challenging you this week to take that standard and take a stand for it. Just say no to something that somebody is asking you to do if you don't want to do it. Um, and, and just start to live in alignment with your truth. And before I bring Sherrianna on, I want to invite you all to join my Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. And it's a group for women over 40 who are dating or in a relationship and want to grow this is not a place to just come and complain about the sorry state of your dating life. It's a place to receive support so that you can move forward and go on your last first date. So join us <clears throat> at your last first date. And now for my guest, Sherrianna Boyle. She is an international emotional detox coach. She's the author of eight books, including her most recent Emotional Detox and Emotional Detox for Anxiety. She's an adjunct psychology professor and the founder of Emotional Detox Coaching, servicing clients virtually worldwide. And today we're going to be talking about emotional detox for anxiety in dating and relationships. Welcome to the show, Sherrianna. Anything that has to do with emotions and detox has me, <laughs> has me interested, which is why I'm really excited to have you on the show. So let's talk about emotional detox. If you can just give us a few words to describe what it is. Sure. Well, that's really how the book came to be because I had read a little bit about emotional detox here and there, but I found that nobody really was diving into the topic. So I kind of created it from scratch and it's based on this mindset. Your emotions are not the problem. It's how we react to our emotions, which can lead to symptoms such as anxiety, depression, fearfulness, and as well as physical symptoms. So it's based on that premise. Your emotions are not the problem. It's our reactions. And our reactions suppress our emotions. So when we react, we don't give an emotion or emotions a chance to be fully processed. And the best way I can describe it, Sandy, and the way I describe it in my books is think of it like food. When your food has a bunch of chemicals on it and pesticides, it's not 
is good for you. It's not as nutritious and it can interfere with the digestive process and it can cause inflammation in the body. Well, it's the same thing with our emotions, only instead of pesticides, when they're layered with reactivity. And what is reactivity? Well, it's the way you, the way that you try to manage or control or what you believe or think about your emotions or the situation. And when we have layers of reactivity on top of our emotions, they are no longer as nutritious for us as they are when they are allowed to be processed in pure form. So they're not nutritious for us or others. <laughs> it's really hard <laughs> to be around, right? Absolutely. People reactive are, are really difficult to be with. And uh, yeah. but most people don't really know how to not be reactive. Like it's, it's just this you know, primitive part of our brain that just goes into this fight or flight kind of thing, right? So if you can tell us a little bit more about reactivity and why so many people struggle with this. Sure. And, and you're absolutely right because it's based on a lot of survival mechanisms that are, that have been built into the body and the brain. Reactivity is also because of memories. We have a lot of conscious and unconscious memories in the body and some of those memories are of emotions. They're of emotions that you never allowed yourself to feel. So we have a memory sometimes of a reaction, and sometimes we have a memory of an unprocessed emotion. So for example, anger. If you find that you're always going to anger or always going to frustration, or that's just some, an emotion that just kind of sticks with you. It's likely because it's related to an earlier time in life when you were experiencing, well, actually didn't experience that emotion, you reacted to it. And as a result, it never, it never got a chance to be transformed into anything else. It just kind of recycles itself, maybe different situations, maybe different people, you know, in terms of what your show is all about, right? Mm -hmm. We, we just attract a how many of us have attracted the similar situation, but it's a different person. And you're like, damn, ah, they look so different <laughs> on the outside, right? I really believed that this was going to be different. And then as you peel away the layers, you start to see, wow, there's some similarities here. Doesn't mean you need to ditch them, but it does mean you need to become aware that there's some patterns of reactivity in you that are looking to be transformed, to be healed. So to answer your question, it comes from past experiences, sometimes trauma and also evolution, survival. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a, a really beautiful way to describe it. Um, and you know, what I, what I see is that people don't realize that when you really looked at look at an emotion like people are afraid anger is a big one for women mm. and when you're afraid of anger you sometimes become even more angry and, and never really deal or just suppress which then leads to rage later on you know there's just so many reactions mm. and when you can face your emotion it's usually over pretty quickly instead of carrying it with it, carrying it with you for so long because of fear. 
and and uh, yeah, can you speak to that? Like the 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 process of facing your emotions rather than pushing them down or suppressing them. Mm. Well, a lot of what emotional detox puts down, it creates a, a, a new platform for people, a foundation. And it really points to, okay, how do I get triggered? And I think when I hear you talking about anger in that specific way, what I'm hearing is someone that's getting triggered. Mm-hmm. So we have to recognize that in ourselves. We have to recognize I'm being triggered. That means there's something in me. Now we always want to make it about them or this or that, but mm-hmm. it's really not. It's about something in me is coming up to be recognized, to be validated and to be felt. Now, I, I prefer to say feel rather than face because face makes me feel, um, it, it can sometimes make people feel a little intimidated, right? If I have to face something mm. that might scare me or make me feel like I'm, a lot of women are afraid of conflict, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I would recommend feeling, but the thing is, is most of us have been trained or have trained ourselves to believe that feeling is going to be painful, and it's not painful. In fact, you're going you're gonna to feel so much better if you're truly feeling. It's that so many of us have confused reacting and feeling. So in some scenarios, that anger that is coming up is actually a reaction. I don't actually call it a feeling. It's, a, it's the way you're reacting to not wanting to feel. So you get angry. You don't like the way something feels that didn't feel right. So what do you do to manage it? You get pissed off. You say something, you rant about something, you blame something on someone else. This is all ways that we're managing an uncomfortable feeling that's probably been there for a long time. And so after I wrote emotional detox, and then I wrote emotional detox for anxiety after I really came to this conclusion, Sandy, and I know for some, they're going to sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy, but I really believe there's only one emotion and that's love. Mm -hmm. Everything else is a reaction. Everything. Guilt Mm -hmm. is a reaction. Sadness is a reaction. Frustration is a reaction. There's only one true emotion and that's, that's love. Interesting. Boy, people are going to go, what? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. And I, and I totally get that. It, it, it's a challenge because we've been trained to compartmentalize everything, but it's created a lot of fear, Sandy. People aren't feeling because they, yeah. because we have all these labels on it and we have all these stories and narratives attached. So when you start to think in those terms, oh, wait a minute, If I'm not in love, I'm probably in at least maybe a little bit of reactivity, which is quite common, by the way. I mean, we, it's, it's everywhere, you know, people Mm -hmm. are different levels of reactivity. And what you realize when you look at it in those terms is you stop judging so much. And you realize even the person that's quiet is, and maybe they're kind of withholding their feelings and regulating their feelings, they're having a reaction. And then you have another person who maybe is spewing their feelings or putting something out on social media and venting or or 
being defensive or sarcastic, they too are having a reaction. And when you look at it that way, you think, oh, wow, everybody's just reacting and nobody's feeling. (laughs) And we stop judging each other like, oh, you're bad. Wow, you really have no control. Well, not necessarily. It shows up in many ways. So once you start to really learn how to feel your feelings, what it's really about is learning how to live in the space with love, how to feel love. Really interesting. I'm, I'm processing as you speak. And <laughs> I, I, what's coming up for me is uh, that the opposite of love is fear. Mm-hmm. And fear and love can't coexist. And so if you look at I mean, this is my logical brain is trying to make sense of this, that, um, you know, if you're living in that space of I'm afraid, and so I'm reacting, I'm afraid of, of, you know, whatever it is, as opposed to being open and being loving and self-compassionate and compassionate towards others, which is really hard for us when we're living in defensive mode. And when we're living with shields up, I mean, this is what we work on every day in coaching for Mm -hmm. dating is to take those shields down, but you can't just take them down without building up inside Um, Mm, because we often feel like we're just an open, open to hurt and open to, to being, you know, stamped, stamped on and stomped on whatever the word is. Um, Yeah. So yeah. What what do you, what do you think about all that? I agree with you that we have to build build ourselves up. But part of that building, I believe, is learning how to process your emotions. So once you start processing, you stop becoming so defensive and needing to have the walls. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange, but the walls are a way of coping and shielding yourself from feeling. Yeah. And as a result, we kind of shut we shut ourselves down. We shut other people, shut other people out. And it just feels, it feels like maybe things take forever or a lot more work than you thought it would be. So it just puts all the strain on everything. And so I believe that when you learn to, well, I've seen it, when people start to really learn how to process their emotions, then they can start to take those inner walls down. You know, how are they, How are they coping? How are they managing their feelings? Because here's the interesting thing, Sandy, is very often we attract people with similar coping patterns. Mm -hmm. Maybe, again, maybe they don't do it like we do it. Maybe ours looks better or theirs looks better. doesn't matter. But very often underneath it all, that's what we bring into our lives. I see it happen all the time. Yeah. Me too. People are, people are very similar, actually, even if they're the biggest jerk on the planet, there's usually a connection to how, how they're coping and managing their feelings, their fear. Yeah. And it's so easy to point fingers, like you said, to say it's the other person's fault. And I Mm. think so much changes and shifts and, and becomes more Uh, empowered when we can take responsibility for our share and learn you know I believe that the universe keeps sending us these messages until we finally like wake up and Mm -hmm. say okay what's my part in there you know for Mm -hmm. me it was it was so much about boundaries 
I had always attracted people with who who would invade my privacy, who would disrespect my boundaries because I had lousy boundaries. And I didn't know it until it happened so many times. It was just like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you give us an example of how this works? Like somebody comes in with, uh, you know, these big triggers around, I don't know, taking things personally. Mm-hmm. How would you begin to work with them? So they, so they come to me because they, they're finding themselves taking things personally. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, yeah. maybe someone doesn't call them or something or text back or give them a compliment right. or think something like that. And or they don't get asked out again. Like they had going all these first dates and they're right. constantly wondering like, yeah, I must be, you know, whatever they make up um, because sure. I'm not getting called back. Right. So for me, it would be really looking at, well, how's this person coping with their feelings? And one of the ways that can happen in that situation is by ruminating, by just going over things in their minds over and over again. What did I say? What did I do? Maybe I should have wore the blue dress, (laughs) right? (laughs) What could have I have done wrong and, or kind of projecting, you know, they're just a jerk anyway, and they're, they weren't for me. And you can hear all the dialogue that goes all the mind chatter. And so I would help them sort of identify how they might be suppressing emotions that are coming up. And then I would go through my cleanse. I mean, the cleanse is, is the seven step step acronym in the book, emotional detox, as well as emotional detox for anxiety. It's in there as well. It's actually a little bit more developed in that book specific to anxiety. And, and that's what we would do. We would, we would start with that first step and I would take them through and guide them and, and help them to process what was, what was coming up. And then after that, we would have a discussion about any insight or, any, anything, any awarenesses that they had during the session. And very often there's a lot of dots that become connected. Oh, I'm connecting this to my relationship with my father. Oh, I'm connecting this to my, when I had that boss that treated me this way. And almost always it's connected to a past experience that is being brought out by the current experience where they didn't they didn't have a chance to heal. So that that's what a little bit about what it would look like. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. helpful. So let's go through the cleanse method and um, the seven steps. Hmm. Okay, so the, the first step is clear. So the C, it's called clear reactivity. And that is when you, it's about really preparing your body for feeling. So we don't wanna just start talking about something without, preparing ourselves. So in that step, I teach people how to get centered and how to be present and how to connect. And then in the next step is called L, which is look inward. And there is when we start to dive into what feelings might be coming up for them. And I've got some specific statements that I'll use with people and help them to identify 
their feelings without rerunning the stories. And I think that's key because mm -hmm. if you rerun the stories, you're going to re-traumatize yourself. You're going to live it all over again and you're, and you're not going to get as much out of the session. So we have a specific way we do that. And then the third step is E, which is emit. And that is uh, produ production of sound. And that how that step came to be, Sandy, is I wrote a book called Mantras Made Easy before I wrote Emotional Detox. And so I knew after writing that book and spending so much time with, with mantras, I absolutely knew that there would be a mantra in the seven steps. So mm -hmm. in that space, there, there's a mantra there. And then the next is A, which is activate joy. And in that step, it's about, okay, I've identified what I felt. I'm in the process of transformation. Now, what am I creating? What am I choosing to create? And that's that activate step. And then the nourish is to just really allow ourselves to learn how to sit in those vibrations because we, we're so quick to move on. We're so quick to say, okay, yeah, I did that. Now what? <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, I did the cleanse with you. Now what? And it's like, what do you right. mean now what? <laughs> what do you mean now what? <laughs> like that. <laughs> and so that nourishing, you know, we're, we always want to go on to the next thing. It's like, we're this perpetual project. We don't really, we have to really understand the value of energy and our emotions and that nourishing step. A lot of communication skills goes into that step, learning that. And then S is surrender. And those are some statements that I have people repeat out loud. And then E is ease. And that's when you land in the I am space. And that is the space where you're fully integrated. So it's no longer outside of you. It's never been outside of you, actually. It's always been inside, but we perceive everything as outside of us. So that last step is about really fully integrating and embodying the, 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 the vibration. Mm, I love this. Well, I like acronyms anyway, but sometimes people force the acronym and it's like, Ugh. but this is, this is really good. And the nourish step, especially I, I find, you know, most of the people who reach out for dating coaching are people who are really good at success in business and in getting things done and doing way more than they should. And so the feeling part got, you know, thrown into a little basket somewhere to be forgotten. And so it's always what's next, what's next. And I remember reading the book Happier by Tab and Shahar. Do you ever read that book? I've, I've seen it several times. I've, it's funny bringing it up because I've seen it a few times lately. Yes. Yeah. I, I haven't read it. To mind. No. Well, he, it was one of the first books I read about positive psychology and he talks about how he used to be the type of person who he called a rat racer which is the person who achieves big goals. And then as soon as it's done, what's next? You don't mm -hmm. allow yourself mm -hmm. to sit in it, to really enjoy the journey as well as the goal mm. and getting there, right? So it's, it's both are important for happiness. And right. um, so that came up for me, as you're saying, just yeah. sit in it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And surrendering, you know, I talk a lot about all of these things in my coaching as well, because um, even when we're in communication with other people, 
um, there's another kind of surrender, which is um, to surrender the need for a certain response. You know, when you do process your emotions and you have a request from somebody to, to really surrender and let go. And mm -hmm. I find that letting go, it's, it's all this control stuff. You know, we want to control the outcome. Mm -hmm. We want to control other people. We want, <laughs> um, and just knowing that, you know, that, that letting go and being open to the surprise of what might be is yeah. so, so helpful. Um, yeah, so can you speak to that about, you know, interaction with other people once you've processed emotions and, you know, you're communicating with others? Sure. Well, once once you begin processing, and processing is a daily practice, by the way, it's not for the heat of the moment. I know a lot of people will ask me that. <laughs> you it's know, not one okay. and done. <laughs> no, it, no, you don't wait until you're in the throes of something. You, it's a daily practice that you sit and you do every day, and you, it's really an honor. It's an honor. You know, it's like saying to yourself, your emotions. It's an honor to be with you today. Uh, my friends, and uh, <laughs> let me give myself some space to make room for you in my life instead of pushing you out, right? So it's that kind of a daily practice. And, and then once you start processing, it's really about getting curious what comes your way, because it, it does influence the, the situations in your life. And sometimes there's very subtle changes. So you want to be present. You want to pay attention because it, you might miss them, right? And that's another reason. I know you've got practices in your book as well, Sandy. And I find that if you don't have a daily practice of some sort, you miss what is working. You miss the subtle shifts maybe a little interaction with some someone that went a little different than it used to. You know, we get so used to expecting. We assume we know the way things are going to go. We assume we know what they're going to say or what's on their mind. We do all that mind reading stuff. And so once you start processing, I really encourage people just just be aware, be present, and be curious because you're going, you're going to see little shifts in your day. You're going to feel different. You're going to feel like, wow, I actually was able to sit with that person or situation maybe a little bit longer than I would have in the past. I wasn't as triggered around that person. That's interesting. Huh? So that's what happens when you start processing you become less, you become more resilient. You're able to go out in the world, you, your tolerance levels goes up. And it's not tolerating bad people or bad circumstances, meaning your energy is strong so that you're able to sustain and hold. And really, I believe what our purpose here on the planet is to be able to hold that vibration of love as long as we can. And so you're, you're, you're getting, it's becoming a muscle and, and you become a lot less judgmental people, people treat you different. You feel different around people and you also choose differently. You know, you know, when something doesn't feel right and that's very, very empowering. This is so relevant to the whole dating process and, and to life in general. 
I, I love it. I, I, you know, I see it also in my, in my kids. I have both of my kids are now in sales, but two of my, two of my kids. And um, I watch my son who was, he's a, new, a very highly emotionally sensitive person. And when he first got into sales, he would absorb everyone's energy who walked into the store. You know, it was just, he works for Apple. And so people would come in wanting, you know, I'm so mad, my product is failing and, uh, and I hate you guys. And, and now he's, he's great at not absorbing. He knows how to connect deeply to people. So he gets what they're in this store for. He saves them time. He, you know, and he feels energized at the end of the day. And he is just, you know, it's, it's just been fascinating to watch how the sales process has helped him grow. Mm. And so, you know, in, in anything in life, if we can process our emotions, it just changes our lives. It, mm -hmm. it changes how we feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love how you talked about choosing differently. So, you know, and I think that, that this happens often as we start to make these changes, we start to realize what's working, what's not working in our lives and the choices that we make in friendships, in the work that we do, in the value that we bring to the work that we do or that we expect others to pay us for, you know, really rising up to our, our worth um, when we start to make these changes. And it's, it's really a beautiful process. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's great that your son is, uh, and I do agree that good, good old fashioned hard work, right? <laughs> Once you get out of, out of school and you start using your hands and you start getting into real life, that's really when you build that resiliency mm -hmm. for sure. And, and yeah. you have to get out there and, and I mean, you're the expert in this area, but my feeling is you got to get out there. I mean, you, yep. you really do have to get out there and we all get rejected at, in some shape or form. It's, if it's not in the dating world, it might be in something else, a, a job or go, getting in a certain school or program or getting a loan on our house. You know, we all, that's an emotion that everybody is going to experience. But the, the key is, can you allow yourself to process it rather than cover it up or put an exorbitant amount of energy uh, preventing yourself from ever feeling that again? And, and so if, if you're really afraid of it, that means it runs deep. It doesn't mean that, that you can't do this or it's not going to work or that everybody's like that. It simply means that this is something that runs deep deep. And here's the other thing, Sandy, some of this stuff travels across bloodlines, you know, that and mm -hmm. in genetic lines. So don't be so hard on yourself because if you're really feeling it, it's probably been in the family line. Other people have also carried this kind of fear, fear of rejection, or, or maybe some of the same patterns of reactivity. And because you're the one listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you're, you're the one that is able to clear it. And you're the one who has the capacity to transform it. And if it happens to be through the dating world, that's the way it's going to work. That's the way it's going to work. At least have fun with it, yeah. right? It doesn't have to suck. And 
I know, you know, people need breaks and things like that from that, from that world. I hear that a lot. People just like, okay, I just need a break (laughs) and they're done that. I just need to like take myself out of the loop for a little while. And that's okay. We all need breaks from things. We all need that time to retreat, go in and really look at, okay, what's, what are my intentions here? What's showing up in me that needs to be resolved before I move forward needs to be processed. I think that's, if that's you, that's probably a really good sign, right? It's probably means that you're getting more ready than ever to be in a partnership with someone. If you're making those choices, it doesn't mean it's not, you're not cut out for it. That's an important reminder. And, and I want to really address what you said about getting out there. Mm. Too many people stay in the um, I have to read one more book and take one more course and I'm not ready yet. And I remember like my TEDx talk is a perfect example. I had hmm. never spoken on a stage. I was petrified of public speaking. And after my divorce, I've become a dating coach and I realize I have to be more public. So I have to get over a lot of fears. And one of them hmm. was public speaking. Mm-hmm. And then I got this incredible opportunity to do this TEDx talk. And I was like, okay, I'm passionate, but I'm mm-hmm. petrified. Sure. So I said, yes. And then I freaked out. I had terrible anxiety. I'm, I pictured myself failing miserably on a very big stage and I got support. I said, okay, how can I make this work? And it was like diving in the deep end because never having really spoken on a stage and then doing that Mm. really got me to overcome so many fears. And it gave me so much more confidence that I could speak and that I had something to say that was worthwhile. And I think we all have something to say that's worthwhile. And we often keep it in because we're so afraid of what people might say and how they might criticize us. But when you do it, it's like you're just, you're allowing somebody else in that could benefit you know, like us having this podcast conversation today, somebody, many people will resonate because you've written books and you are now speaking about something that's so important to so many people. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my core book, uh, the core emotional detox book, I call it the core one. I call it the mother. (laughs) It has the, the white cover and then emotional detox for anxiety came after that. And then, and then I just wrote a, another emotional detox book, but that won't come out until the fall 221. So when I speak of the mother one, the original, the, the one that gave birth to the series, you know, that really came about, I was already planning on writing emotional detox. I had done all the research, but what really made that book turn into what it is and the cleanse steps is my own emotional trauma. So when you read it into that book, what you're going to learn is that I went through a terrible betrayal and and a relationship. And I share that with your audience because when people hear me talk, they think, oh yeah, but you don't know. You don't know, but I do know. I do know. Mm. (laughs) That's all I have to say. I do know. I understand. But this is, it is an opportunity. I know it can be very difficult to be in the unknown space and to trust people and you get so afraid. 
and but it is possible. So I hope with that book, you're going to be able to see that because that was really it was written written from that space. But there's a there's a story in that book that I think if you're someone who's really afraid of and and your self esteem, I get it. I was there. My self esteem was nothing. I mean, it was really hit me hard and I had to build myself up again, you know, from feeling awful. So it is possible and uh, you'll get through it and you'll be better and, and good things will come. Everything has a purpose. I believe when you really take that time to process what's coming up, it can, it will serve you. It will serve your family but of course, when you're going through that, you might, it's hard to see that. So I thought I would offer that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And usually I start with why, why is this an area of interest to you? Because it, 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 it almost always stems back to our own personal experience. Mm. And I think that's, that is so important to show people because yes, I think that a lot of people have a, a very, um, false idea about people who have gone who write books like this and mm. think that you've you've got it all together I think we learn more from the vulnerability of the people that we admire than the you know I can't this unattainable godlike presence of a person you know we, we want to be able to relate to your humanity so I mm. appreciate that mm-hmm yeah, I mean, it's not why I wrote Emotional Detox. I, I was already writing it, but uh, it just was part of the writing process was it ha happened to have occurred during it, during the writing of Emotional Detox, which ended up being a blessing because now I could really write it from, from inside out. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, before I wrote that book, I wrote a book I think it was back in 212. I know, I'm sorry, 216. I wrote a book called Choosing Love. And when I wrote that book, Sandy, that was one where I wrote it because I was feeling something. Emotional detox, I was really in research and this just kind of happened. But Choosing Love, I wrote that book because I was like, this was my question what if I don't feel love? Does it still exist? Mm. That's really what, what created that journey and interest in writing about love. I know it's there. People tell me they love me, but I don't feel it. Mm -hmm. I don't feel it. So what does that mean? And that book was really a, a life changer for me because it really uncovers a lot of myths about love, about what we've learned, especially women. I mean, you know, Sandy, you must deal with this, the fantasies and the beliefs. And you see so many, I was just watching a woman on social media the other day. She posted, I'm 30 and I don't have any kids and I'm not married and I'm okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Who's she you know? trying to convince? <laughs> and I'm like, well, then why do you need to post this if you're okay? Yeah. 
(laughs) So I just thought, boy, that just reminded me of choosing love. I thought, oh, girlfriend, you got to read choosing love because Mm -hmm. you're really, you're, you're feeling it. And I get it. I remember feeling like I don't feel it. And I was in a, you know, I'm married and I've been married and I was married when I've only been married to one person, but I was married while I was writing choosing love. Here I am a married woman Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm saying, I don't feel loved. And Mm -hmm. think of all the relationships out there where people are, there's a lot of them. Trust me. There's a lot of people. Now it's very different for me. I do feel love immensely. And, and I have, I have a beautiful marriage and I have everything I've ever wanted, but it, it didn't come from getting a new husband. Yeah. It, it came from learning how to process my emotions. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, I, I, I'm so with you and thank you for sharing that. It, it's, um, so many people will be able to resonate with that because we do have a false sense of love, romance, you know, and expectations of men. They're supposed to do these things for, if they loved us, they would read our mind. If they loved <laughs> us, they would do all these things for us without us telling them. And, mm. and I, I just spoke about um, how to get with, how to ask for what you want in my Facebook group. And mm. um, somebody was saying, well, I speak up once. And if he's a good listener, then he should just get it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nope. (laughs) I mean, I have conversations with my son where he has to tell me the same thing a thousand times. I, my brain works so fast that I'm on the next five steps. And so instead of giving him empathy, I often jump to solution because I'm already processed it down, down the road. And he's Mm -hmm. always going, mom, empathy first, empathy. (laughs) Wow. So it's a great reminder and he's, he's pretty awesome. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I still need reminders. I, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's told me a thousand times and I get it, but Mm -hmm. my brain is trying to do something else. So I've gotten better. But yeah, we, we don't just get it. You, you just have to, you know, understand that people aren't, mm. they, they're not you. And we often communicate in the way that we process, not in the way that they do. And mm-hmm. so we're, we're all self-focused. It's all about, well, I would never do that. So how could you do that? How could you? Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is just such great information. I know there's so much yeah. more to cover, sure. but as we, as we close, um, Sherrianna, if you could just share some final words of advice for anybody who wants to go on their last first date. <laughs> I think that I would say it's about authenticity. And I know that's a big word, but it's really about being yourself but it's difficult to even know who yourself is if you're not processing and feeling your, your feelings on a regular basis. So for example, some people, people please, you know, they, they want to, they want to make other people's happy. And that if, if that's you, if that's something you do, if you try to keep everyone else happy or keep everyone else emotions up, then that's something that you're going to want to process because that, that's going to take you further away from your authentic self, from, 
from being you. Don't pretend like you love something that you don't. <laughs> be mm-hmm. you. If if you don't, just be honest. Doesn't mean that you're you can't be open, right? We can be open, we can listen, we can be non-judgmental. But we don't have to sit there and pretend like, oh, I love football when we can't, when we really don't like it. <laughs> right. So just, just, you know, not my big, not my favorite thing, but I'm open, you know, I'm open, I'm willing, but it allows you to be authentic, be yeah. authentic, be, be yourself and go do what you love, right? It's the best way to meet someone doing what you love, what you enjoy and the places that you like to go or groups of people that you like to be around, socially distanced with a mask on. <laughs> um, yes, of course we have all that in play. I just like to ignore that. <laughs> no, <I'm really> kidding. <laughs> well, this would be evergreen. So like in five years when somebody's listening goes, what, COVID, who, what? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So there, there, it's it's around the corner, everybody. Yes. It's around the corner. It's coming. <laughs> One day. Coming, One day we will meet around again. <laughs> 221. Shoot for yes. 221. 221, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yeah, great advice. I think, you know, people say be yourself and nobody knows what that really means. Mm. But I think that the processing of your feelings and being true to what you feel and not always other focused is, Mm. is a great place to start Mm. because I think that that's where so many people struggle. How can I make them happy? I don't want to hurt their feelings. So I can't be honest with them. And and yeah, I mean, I just helped my daughter process this with a friend of hers who's no longer somebody she wants to be with. And I said, you've got to be direct and you can't keep skirting around this. And, and she goes, but it, I don't want to hurt her. And I said, she's mm. driving you crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's hurting you. <laughs> <laughs> so she did it. She sent her this text yes. and she said, oh yeah. my God, mom, yeah. I feel so good she was like beaming and and she had so much energy because she was truthful so Mm -hmm. it's it's just important in every relationship and especially when you if you want to go on your last first date so thank you so much for this fabulous conversation sherrianna and if you can um i know you have a free gift and tell us Mm -hmm. where we can find all your fabulous books and your gifts and everything else Yes, you can go to sherryannaboyle.com. So it's sherryannaboyle.com. That's where my books are, my coaching classes, and uh, my gift. (laughs) So there's the, if you subscribe there, you get a download of a meditation that I created and it's called Calm Your Mind. And then I have another website called cleanselife.com. And that's where I put, my yoga videos. Cause I teach yoga, Sandy. And uh-huh. I, yeah, so I have a lot of yoga videos there and I do the cleanse. I do an emotional detox in every yoga class. Uh-huh. So you get fitness and yoga and emotional cleanse every time. So that's at cleanselife.com. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love learning about other layers that somebody has, and it totally fits your personality to be doing yoga, meditation, cleansing, all, all of it connects. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, that's really cool. So I will have all this in the show notes. And I thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing you. your wisdom with us. Uh, this is just such an incredible conversation. Thank you.
Thanks everybody for listening today. And if you love our show, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Every rating and review helps other people find us and get more ears onto the show. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Bye.